Hey there, welcome to the Agents of Revival podcast. If you're ready to be healed and take full accountability of your life by evolving into your best self, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Andrea Griffin Rogers, and I'll share with you winning steps as well as personal tips and anecdotes on how to go from brokenness to wholeness and from scattered pieces to inner peace. So come on in and join me on this healing journey and let's become whole together. Enjoy it. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you today? I pray all is well. This message stirs your faith, falls on good ground. And come on, y'all. You should know it by now. Produces good fruit in your lives. Cheers for those who got it right. Yay! All right. Good job. Um, Today's message, we are still in... We're still in the Kingdom Ambassador series. But if you've noticed the last couple episodes, I've been talking about revival. And uh, that's because God put it in my heart. It is time to um speak about revival but speak about it in different contexts so i feel like a lot of people look at revival as being about music and dance and large gatherings of people coming together worshiping jesus um and a move in a mighty move of the holy spirit and that's part of revival and that's great But there is also a personal revival that God wants to do in each of our lives. Because if you go and read any parts of the Bible, then you know um, that he always dealt with individuals first before he dealt with the whole body as a unified um, group. Um, And so we can't be looking for the external without dealing with the internal first. That means we want to see the external revival. Yes. But God says, I want to revive you first. I want to deal with you first. I want to um, mend your heart first. I want to um, resuscitate some dead areas in your life first before I revive everything else around you, before I do a large scale revival. That's not to say that God won't simultaneously in certain areas of the world or even of the country of America, you know, spark up revivals. Yes. But even if you look at those revivals that happened at Ashbury early this year and many other schools, universities, they started with one person first and then it grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. But each person that went there in the thousands that were a part of that revival at the early beginning part of the year, they still um, had an individual encounter with God themselves. Yes, they were a part of a collective group, but it was still an individual working that God did in their life. That is what real revival is. It's God resuscitating something in you that was dead, that was lost, that was gone, that that seemed like it was never going to manifest. Uh, a dead part of you that was not connected to him in the way that he wanted you to be connected to him. And so he says, I got to revive that area. I need to revive it back anew in the image I always created to be. That's why our, our um, motto for Ages of Revival is reviving you anew in Christ Jesus. Because there is a you that God knew before you were born and formed in your mother's womb. And then there's a you that became once you got into this earth. But God says, I need to revive you back to your original identity that was in heaven. That's why I've talked about before in season um, three, that there is the us that we see today. And then there's also a spiritual man or woman that rests in God. And you got to tap into the father to pull that version of you down to or to level up rather to that version of you because you've never seen that version of you before. Or maybe you have seen it in in your dreams or um, 
if God has given you dreams about it, or maybe you sense it in your heart that there's something more in store for you. There's a bigger purpose for you. That's God's Holy Spirit saying, there's something more that I created for you than what you're living today. And so I got to revive that area of you. But before I go any further, I hear God saying prayer, prayer, prayer. <laughs> so let me slow it down. It's the slow cooker portion of this message as my spiritual mentor, Latoya Kika say, I mean, my spiritual uh, life coach, sorry. And so I'm going to slow this down. I'm going to pray for you really quickly. And then we're going to get into the rest of this message because I have a ton of scripture that I want to get to as well. That just inspired me about this topic of revival of love. And so spirit of living God, we come to you right now. I just want to say thank you for allowing this opportunity for my brothers and my sisters to hear and receive a word from you guys. Speak Lord, your servants are listening. You know what each person is facing, you know what each person is going through, Heavenly Father, and you know what each person needs, Heavenly Father. You know exactly what areas of their lives, of their hearts, of their minds that need to be revived, God. And so I pray that you do what only you can do so that you get the glory. Revive us, Lord, in the image that you have always created us to be. Help us to walk it out every step of the way. Help us to build upon the strong foundation that is in you, Christ Jesus, and continue to go out into this world to make kingdom ambassadors, aka disciples for you, Jesus. God, we don't do this for our own selves. We don't even do it in our own strength because we can't. It's too big for us. But God, we lay our will down and pick up your will, God, because that is what matters. At the end of the day, God, may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God, we pray above all other names that your name will be glorified your name will be hallowed your name will be exalted your name will be uplifted your name will be praised this is my prayer god that a revival uh of a multitude of things a multitude that will cover sin of love will go forth god into the earth and will draw people closer to you like never before but god we understand that you want to do it in us first so revive us first, God, let it begin in us first, God, and then allow us to go out and revive others. This is my prayer, God, let it fall on good ground, produce good fruits and fruit in the lives of your children, God. May it be an on time word that somebody, wherever they are, God, you know exactly where they are, whether in the car, whether in the shower, whether they are at work, whether they are sitting at home with the kids, whether they are on their way somewhere or coming from somewhere, God, wherever they are, even if they are in a dark place and they're just sad or or afraid or frustrated or angry or whatever, God, I, I pray that all of those motions, all of those fears, all the anxieties, all those stresses, all of those fleshly things will be released to you, God, laid at your feet for us to never pick it back up. And God, I receive your love, your peace, your joy that surpasses all understanding to come into all of our lives, God, because we need you, Lord, like never before in this day and time, we need you. So fill us up, Lord, till our cup overflows with blessings, with glory, with love, with peace, with joy, with honor, so that we can pour it out onto others. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church says what, y'all? Amen. All right, so today we talk about a revival of love in the Kingdom Ambassador series. And this is so important because we cannot go out in this world and draw people closer to Jesus without doing it from love. And I talked before on a vision that God showed me where um, there was a believer and a non-believer who was also a church leader, a believer who was a church leader and a non-believer um, who, you know, I was kind of sitting in the car with and... 
the, you know, the, the believer was coming against me in such a rude and negative way, pointing out every flaw, just accusing me of a bunch of different things. Some that was that that was true of, of an old version of me and some that was not true. It was just their assumptions of me. And it was just like that. That's not even like my character was constantly being scrutinized and judged by this so-called believer. And then they ended it, as I talked before, um, I'm not going to get to the full vision, but they ended it with kind of like, uh, I'm saying all this in love. And it was like, no, that's not in love. That is not how God talks to us. That is not how the Lord deals with us. That's not how the Holy Spirit corrects us. He doesn't correct us in an accusatory way. That is Satan. The Bible makes that very, very clear. And so we cannot be going out here saying that, oh, well, I'm just going to tell you about themselves and it's in love. It's not in love, baby. It's not. There is a way to do things. And God is a God of protocol and order. There is a way in which he does things. And so if our God deals with us in one way and he loves us and 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 um and corrects us in a loving manner, who are we to not do the same? We cannot say we follow him and then we don't do what he tells us to do. We don't live in the way Jesus lived. And so we have to operate in love. Love covers a multitude of sins. And so go with me to my first scripture of this um, message. First Corinthians chapter 13, because it's, it's just so fitting to start with the love chapter of the Bible. And so first Corinthians 13, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, reads it such um if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Let me pause real quick. This is talking about speaking in the spiritual gift. This is um, this. It's when we read this, we read this as different chapters, but it's literally like a continuous letter that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. This is why it's called Corinthians. It's a letter that he wrote to the body of believers in that particular region and area. And so this ties into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which I will get to in a little while, hopefully, um, where he talks about unity in the body and, and the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us and the spiritual gifts that he gives to the church to help us grow and learn and develop into the believers we need to be, the kingdom ambassadors that God always created us to be. And so this is continuing on from that of speaking in tongues, a.k.a. speaking in languages. That means the languages of the earth. You know, that could be uh, the languages. I mean, French, Russian, German, whatever. Like the Holy Spirit will embody you to speak a language that you were never is not your native tongue. You were never taught that language. But all of a sudden you're able to hear it, understand it. Um, I, You know, sidebar really quickly. I remember a time before i started to try to learn languages well actually it was it was uh coincided at the same time okay so <laughs> i was in college and i had some friends who um were african and spoke french and at the time i was taking spanish which i was doing so poorly i've told you guys before about this for my those who have been following the podcast um you know for through the seasons um, of how God has recently had me studying a new language of Portuguese. Um, but it it's interesting that the seed originally started back in college when he first had me learning Spanish. And uh, and y'all pray for me, okay? Pray for me, baby, because woof, 
it's it's not as easy as I, I was hoping it would be. But I'm going to get to my point in a minute. So um, at the time when I was studying Spanish, I wasn't doing well in Spanish. But for some reason, while I may not have been able to fully speak French, I could understand what was being said. And many times I would pull my friends to the side and, you know, whenever they would go on a tangent speaking in French amongst each other. And I would be like, did you just say that? And they'd be like, yeah. Oh, look at you learning French. And I'm like, I don't even know how I knew what you said, but I just, I understood it. And this is before I knew anything about the Holy Spirit um, giving us these gifts. I knew about the Holy Spirit because I was brought up and raised in church, but I didn't know how you operate in the Holy Spirit at that time. So I had no idea that this is the Holy Spirit working through me to be able to understand what they were saying, but I could. And so fast forward to, um, to even today of learning Portuguese, while I may not be able to fully understand all of it just yet, there's still, I've been dealing with it all year, y'all. And there have been lessons that I'm going back to from the beginning because I feel like I still need to master the first level. <laughs> like uh, I'm on an app called Babbel. And so I am at level, I think, 12 or 13. But I'm like, I go back to level one because I don't feel like I've even mastered to this level yet, child. I can't say a full sentence without looking at the screen. Um, but I find when I go back to the original level, uh, the first level, excuse me, not the original level, but the first level, I like I'm I'm hitting it, boom, 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 boom. I know exactly what that say. I know what that means. You can show me the picture. I know how to speak it, and I'm like, now I don't understand God, but it's it's again tapping in with the Holy Spirit because we try to do it in our own strength. You will not get it, but when you are with working with in uh, tangent in tandem, excuse me, with the Holy Spirit, then you're able to manifest whatever you're trying to learn you're able to pull it out there are many times many of you probably experience yourself where you're like how did I know that like I thought I wasn't smart enough to know that or I didn't think I had the skills um but I was able to do this particular job at work or or um if those of you in school like I was just I just hit it like I just suddenly got it and and I don't even know how like because when I was trying before and it wasn't working but then just all of a sudden it clicked that click is the Holy Spirit. That's when we stop doing it in our own strength and he partners in with us. And so getting back to this message of, of love, you know, it doesn't matter how many languages you can speak that are not your native language. If you don't have any love behind it, then you're a noisy gong. And so you may say, what about the other part about uh, angels? So there is also a tongue that is a heavenly tongue. It is between you and God. It's a it's a um it's a gift from the Holy Spirit of a language that only heaven can understand. Because we learn, um, I think it's a little bit later in this particular chapter, where Paul talks about um don't speak in um don't speak in a heavenly language if there is nobody around to interpret it. Now, the heavenly language is the language that came from God, the Holy Spirit, to, to give to you. But that is not the, an earthly language. It's, it's, it's a communication way that some people have that gift of to speak 
with God in a heavenly tongue. And then God speaks back to them in that heavenly tongue. And it's then the ability or you're supposed to do it around people who will hear what you utter out your mouth that can interpret the tongue. And so that's why we just sidebar another sidebar. <laughs> we have to be very careful as the church to make sure that wherever you are, if you're speaking in tongues, what language are you using? And if it is using the heavenly language, speak it around people who can interpret it. Because if there's nobody that can interpret what you're speaking, then this is why it's also saying you're like a noisy gong. Nobody can hear. Nobody can understand what you're saying. And so it falls on deaf ears. It's it, nobody. It's not helping nobody. It's not serving anybody. If you're not able to interpret or have somebody around you who can interpret what was said. And I know this from a vision God gave me where I encountered the Holy Spirit in a physical body form. And he was speaking to me in a language I had never heard before. But while speaking or rather speaking in front of me, but looking at me, uh, he was speaking to some people about me. I think I talked about this vision before. Um, it, it's it's when I was talking about how God sees our works. He sees what we do, how we love others. And so I'm just going to quickly paraphrase because I don't want to get deep into that vision. But in that particular vision, um, you know, God was basically showing me how I saw how you loved and cared for your elderly grandmother. I talked before many times about how I was a caregiver for my grandmother before she passed away. And so God in this particular vision, um, was showing me how heavy the weight was. And yet he saw every step of the way, but there were also people around me in real life and also in the vision that did not help. No matter how much I begged and pleaded for help, they did not help. And they saw me, but they did not love enough to help me carry the burden, help me carry the weight. And we learn in Galatians, I think it's Galatians chapter six, that we're supposed to share in each other's burdens. That's how we show love to one another as a body in Christ. We share and care for each other's burdens. And so in this particular vision, the Holy Spirit dealt with those people. But he spoke in the heavenly language. And so while I was seeing him as weary as I was leaning on the wall, because I was tired, y'all. <laughs> and I seen him speaking to them about where, where were you? Why didn't you help? You now have to give an account as to why you saw what she went through and did not offer a helping hand. And how I know what was being said is because, <coughs> excuse me, y'all, as the... Holy Spirit was speaking in this heavenly language. It was being interpreted in my heart. Like I was able to understand this language, which is why when he did finally come up to me and speak to me and told me to follow him um, where he was leading me, I was able to do so. Even though I was like, how, what is this language? I, I couldn't even fathom what that language was. Like I, I, I couldn't, I really couldn't put it together. Y'all of like, I've never heard this language before. But so, so that's, that's what that means. You know, um, there is a heavenly language that heaven angels, God almighty speaks and can interpret and we can, um, hear it if the Holy spirit allows us to hear it. 
But it's important to make sure that not only are you doing it in love, not love for God, but also love for man. And then also there's somebody around to interpret it because otherwise who can understand what you're saying? The message is not getting across that God's releasing to you to give to the people. Um, and so continuing on in first Corinthians 13 verse two, if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possess all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. This is the same of, of my ministry. You know, I, I told you guys before that it finally clicked for me and I've stepped into, um, what God has been calling me to do for some time now is to be a prophet. But it doesn't matter if I have this gift and to be a prophet for those that's like, well, what does that really mean? That means that God speaks to me directly through visions and dreams. And sometimes I would um, audibly hear his voice or, you know, or he'll give me images um, even in my waking state. But it is either of a future sense so this is not to be confused with witchcraft no the witchcraft is, is the devil it's the devil taking a gift that was only from god and trying to twist it and make people into psychics no this is god giving me foresight into something he's going to do in the earth that i'm meant to speak to the people or it's a forewarning for the church that they need to get things right um with god or god wants this corrected in the earth um or it's even um, he'll give me something that is current, a current word for somebody. It wasn't myself as well, but a current word or he'll show me something that has happened before in the past, but that is meant to be used as a lesson tool for today to speak to the people. Um, and, and this makes me think of... Um, you know, I'm going to hold that thought. I'm going to hold that thought, y'all, for another time. But, yeah, so to be a prophet is to declare God's word. I, you know, long story short of that particular example of what a prophet is, it is to declare God's word to the people. We are meant to be seers. That means watchmen uh, on a wall, as they used to say back in ancient times. That means being able to see what people cannot see, foresee what god wants to do in the earth and then declare it being basically on guard for the body the 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 church being on guard and being able to declare and proclaim what god wants to be uttered into the earth because not everybody can hear god's voice it's not that god doesn't speak he does but not everybody is keen to hear god's voice and so us as prophets are meant to speak utter what God wants to share on the earth. This is why you guys, um, especially as I stepped into it and fully embraced it this season, you hear me, you've heard me, excuse me, talk about um, visions constantly or a word that got released to me, even on my um, YouTube channel uh, at Andre Griffin Rogers. I'll release words that God has shared with me on that. And so if you are not following the YouTube channel at Andre Griffin Rogers, I strongly encourage you to do so because. It's, um, I release different content and of course it's video, <laughs> but I release different content than I do on, uh, the podcast. And so continuing on in the scripture text, um, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. Yep. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. 
How many of y'all out there have seen people boast about how much they've given, how much they sacrificed, how much they have, um, you know, sown into somebody or into a homeless person or into a charity? And God says, that's all you're going to get. You learn about that in Matthew uh, chapter 6. That's all you're going to get. You you standing on a street corner and you want to, you know, try to show that you um, have done a, a good deed or good service. God said, that's all you're going to get. And th- and this is not necessarily standing on a street corner because it could be somebody that's, that's posting it on social media of all the charity work that they've done, of all the giving that they've done. And God said, you have reaped your blessing. The applause of men, that's all you're going to get. But people can do that. People can give to the poor, even sacrifice their body. We we learned about that, um, which I believe I remember correctly from the Catholic Church. It's called um, <clears throat> penance, I believe it is, where you start to uh, self-mutilate or whip yourself trying to uh, recreate the pain that Jesus went through to atone for your sins and god said i didn't ask for you to do that i sent jesus to do that so you don't have to do that and so god says no that's that's not my way and then also in ancient times they used to um cut themselves for the false gods they would serve cut themselves and and bleed and, and even sacrifice children and whatnot to show like god we're worshiping you and god says i never told you that that is that is sinful in God's eyes. He never told you to do that. Even if you look at Abraham when he's about to go sacrifice his son, God says, stop. Don't do that. Even though he told him to do it, it was a test to see, do you care about my blessing more than you care about my presence? Ooh, yeah. And so this is what this is tying into of like, you can do all of that, but it still doesn't account to love. Just because you... Uh, mutilate yourself just because you um even fasted for a long time because another sacrifice to the body you fasted for a long time don't mean you love yourself how many people we know that we see that claim they fast even in other false religions that claim they fast and they heart posture still nasty you still mean you still rude you still cussing people out so again you can do all these things that man looks at is good and you get an applause for in the world but God says I see your heart and your heart is still busted your heart is still nasty your heart is still stony heart it doesn't have love in it and so I'm saying all this because we cannot be kingdom ambassadors where we are representing the king of all kings the lord of all lords and have no love we can't just be um all about action and then our words don't match it. And we learned that, um, I, I forgot what part of the gospel it is, but Jesus says, you're not defiled by what goes into your mouth. I believe it was in Mark. You're not defiled by what goes into your mouth. You're defiled by what comes out of your mouth because what comes out of your mouth flows from your heart. That's where the impurity is. That's where the sin it festers in and, and it's created. It's in your heart. And so, again, you can do all of these actions, but if there is no love in your heart, which God can see, then none of it's meaningless. It's useless. You would have gained nothing. Continuing on in verse four, love is patient and kind. 
These are also fruits that flow from the Holy Spirit, which if he really embodies your heart, this is what should be flowing from your heart at all times. And when you make a mistake from your heart should be repentance to say, oh, God, I, I responded to somebody angrily in that moment. Let me repent. Let me uh, seek your face. Let me turn away from that action. Let me make amends with you, God. And if need be, go apologize to that person. But get it right because love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. <clears throat> it is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and adores through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Let me explain what this means really quickly. <clears throat> the special knowledge part. This is... You ever hear somebody say something and you like, oh my God, that just spoke straight to my heart. Like, how you know? Now, you know you didn't tell that person your problem, you didn't tell that person your business. It could be a complete stranger. Or you could be watching something online and somebody will say something and you like, oh, I needed to hear that. How did that person know that that's exactly what I needed to hear? They didn't. It was a special knowledge that came upon that person, whether they knew it or not, in that moment to release a word that you received. That's from the Holy Spirit. That's where the special knowledge comes from. That also ties into prophecy. There's th things that I speak. I declare of God's word that did not come from me. It came from him. And he said, declare it, speak it. Give these people this, this vision I gave you and explain what it means so that they can be forewarned of what's to come. If this continues to happen or so that they will understand, like I told you in the vision about um that that started with earlier about being in the car with a believer and a non-believer who's also a church leader and and god is saying no you cannot be saying you represent me and then not speaking in love but masking it as love because you say it's love that doesn't mean anything if there is no love in your heart it's just empty words <clears throat> and so but love will last forever now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only parts of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Go down with me to verse 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so you have to understand that if we are going to walk this thing out as true disciples of jesus believers in yeshua true kingdom ambassadors true agents of revival you guys notice how i put together all those words because they all are synonyms they all are saying the exact same word i you know they i'm all they're all describing disciples that's what agents of revival is it is about um empowering disciples god revives us first to be able to go out and make other agents of revival. That means other disciples. But it starts with end first. But we have to operate in love. This is so important. I remember early this summer. I told you guys about this. Actually I'm sorry. It's right before the summertime. I'm sorry. Where I was just seeing like an uprising. And a lot of different pastors. That were shaming people shaming people and and I, this still goes on to this day 
I'm not going to just say it was early this summer, but that's when I kind of started paying attention more to it. That um, people were shaming, pastors were shaming people for not coming to church, uh, not coming into the building. Oh, you just watching online. You're not coming to the building. Or they were shaming um, people for not tithing um, faithfully. And they were shaming people for... Um, <clears throat> For the the music, the the latest Christian music. Oh, this this music ain't like the music back in the day. You know, back in the day was real church. This this new stuff ain't real church. And I even saw somebody do what they call a funny skit, a funny church skit on Instagram. And they were talking about how oh I miss when the church was like this, and I miss when the church was like that. And I just looked at it and shook my head. And everybody else laughed. I didn't find anything funny about it, especially because what you claimed you missed. Was a broken system, number one. That's not to say the system right now isn't um, broken, but God is healing and mending it. But what you missed was a broken system that many people strayed away from. And it made me think about the same person who claimed what they missed about the old church. You ain't even been to church. For you to be saying what you miss about the old church. You stopped going to the old church for some of those same reasons that you claim you miss. So much. And I've heard it time and time again from many other people who are not even in church anymore. Um, that means going to any form of church. Like um, going to any form of church organization, excuse me, or even a part of any form of the church body. Meaning like you're not in a small group. You don't um, you don't have uh, friends that are believers that you can talk about Jesus with and you can pray with and you can read the Bible with. Um, that you couldn't even go if you wanted to, to a Christian concert with, because they all worldly, they, they believe in different, um, things. They don't believe in God. And it's like, okay, but yet you're judging the church that you're not even a part of. And so I just saw like this continuous because Jesus tells us anyway, in the word, I think it's in Matthew 24, that everything that can be shaken will be shaken in this season and time. So it's not surprising that we're seeing this, but I find it sad that many people claim to represent God. This was a Christian woman who says she's a Christian woman on this social media platform talking about what she missed from the old church. I also saw several um, Christian leaders, um, male and female, making comments throughout the entire summer up until this point. About all the things that's wrong in the church and that's wrong with the people and and this, that, and the other. And it's like, you're not solving the problem by pointing out everything that's wrong. How you solve the problem is giving a solution. This is why this season, God said, we can't just point out what was saying to me. You can't just point out the things that need to change without offering a solution on how to change. And this is where... The, the last few episodes have kind of sparked up with a revival of love, a revival um, of hope to the lost and found, a revival of kindness. We got to bring that back to the church. Because one of the things that I'm seeing with a lot of people, and this ties into what was the former church, as people are saying, is that what you miss was a lot of judgment. That ran a lot of people out of the church. I call it the great church exodus. 
like we saw in the book of Exodus of the of the uh, Israelites leaving Egypt, millions of people leaving Egypt, leaving Egypt. We see that now in the church. We've seen that for the last, I, I want to say honestly, for the last 15, 20 years, we have seen a great exodus of people leaving the church, starting with our parents' generation, you know, my generation, the millennials, and, and onward. It's been a big exodus of people leaving the church. Why? Because of judgment, because of ridicule, because of lack of love, because of lack of integrity. You preach one thing, you teach one thing, you have these religious rules and standards that many in the church that claim to be the leaders don't even live by. And yet you're pushing them onto others and making it far more ridiculous and far more difficult for people to come and worship the father. For people to come to the hospital what the church is meant to be. For the people to come to the hospital and go to their doctor, Jesus, and get healed. Because before they even get to the altar to pray for the healing, here they come getting beat up even more by you in the church. So God says no. There needs to be a revival of love, a revival of kindness, and a revival of hope to the lost and the found. Because there's many people out there that claim to be found by Jesus and you claim to be a follower, but you are still lost. There's still a broken part of your heart that you will not address and you keep bandaging. And God says no more, not in this season. We need love, not never before. And one of the things I talked before on the movie that um, really just shook me to my core it's called um, the Jesus Revolution movie that came out early this year with Kelsey Grammer and Jonathan Rumi. I think is how you say his name. He also plays in um, the Chosen TV series, which I adore. I'm so a fan of the Chosen. Like, I can't get enough of the Chosen right now, y'all. But anyway, when I saw a Jesus Revolution movie, speaking of the man who plays the character of Jesus in the TV show, The Chosen, his character, Lonnie, who was a real person in the Jesus Revolution movie, his stance really just shook me to my core. And one of the key things that he said at the very beginning, when he encounters Kelsey Grammer's um, character of Chuck Smith, he says, how can, how can you say you people don't believe or love Jesus? Um, I'm, 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 I'm a, paraphrase this a bit because I, I know I'm messing up the exact words but he's basically saying how can you say how, that you know us and you people this and you people that when we try to find a place to belong in the church but your doors stay closed how and it doesn't just mean the doors of the actual physical church building that's the doors of your heart you judge us because we are hippies you judge because we are barefoot you judge because um, some people were on drugs. You you judge because the lifestyle is different than what you say is how to live a righteous lifestyle. You judge, but then when we come to the church to this is what Lonnie was saying, when we come to the church to be saved, to find a place of belonging, because that's the old whole reason why he talked about the whole hippie movement was people trying to find a place to belong. And we see that today in this day and time where so many people are um, struggling with their, their gender and some people are struggling with their identity. So many people are struggling with belonging and anxiety and all these things that, that are troubling the mind that the enemy is keeping people in bondage of. And God is saying today, I have an open door for you. 
This is why it's, it's interesting that we are in the, the new Hebrew year of an open door. And, and yet the church doors, the body is closed. You judge people because they look different. All in all, they're looking for a place to belong. And so since they can't find a place to belong in the church, they walk out into the world. I saw this video on um, Instagram <laughs> again. And this video was so astounding that I actually started to cry. And it was a man. I don't know who the man was. Cause it just was his voice. But he was showing um, just nature. It was a rainy a rainy day he was showing nature but he was talking he said let me tell you a story he said there was a drunk man who struggled with drinking he struggled with drinking and he tried to go to the church but because he smelled like alcohol and because people knew his sin of being a drunkard they threw him out the church they ridiculed him they talk about him they you know treated him poorly and and told him how he wasn't welcome and so time and time again, he kept going back to the church, just trying to fit in, just trying to belong. And they kept telling him he wasn't welcome. He wasn't welcome. He wasn't welcome. Well, he left the church and he found a bar. And as soon as he walked into the bar, everybody said, hey, welcome. Come on in. Sit down. Let me buy you a drink. What's something was on your mind? He found more cheer, more love, more acceptance. And the very thing that was killing him of sin. The very thing that was killing him of alcohol, killing his liver, the very thing that was toxic to his body. And yet he found more love surrounded by people who were just like him than trying to go to the people of the church. And when I saw and heard this, this story, I cried because I said, wow, this is how the church has been. And it's so sad when we hear people say they miss the old church. But that that was the old church. And it has sadly trickled down in some ways into the modern construct of church as well. And so this is why we see this this tug of war battle in the church where you got the old church want to hold on to their old tradition and old ways and old old morals and values. And the new church like me that's saying, I reject you and your old ways. There are some things that I'll hold on to because they were foundational principles that I built my faith on. That are good. They tie into the Bible. But then there are other ways that are just man-made laws and teachings. That keep people stuck in bondage. And they never get free. They never really experience the full totality of who Jesus Christ is for themselves. Because you keep them stuck in this bondage. And so I remember when Jesus called me back on April 25th, 2017. Into the third heaven. And, and I was in his temple and seeing him on his throne. And it's too lengthy of a vision, so I'm only going to give you this portion of it. But one of the things that he he asked me was, uh, where did you go and what did you... Um, no, I'm sorry. Somebody else asked me, another pastor who I know, who was in heaven. She asked me, where did you go and what did you learn? Because I had felt rejected by church folk. By... by in, in this vision, so I kind of got to go back. Okay, let me go back a bit. <laughs> in the vision, I first see, um, it looks like a wilderness, like a forest lined with pews. And there's a bunch of people in a line leading up to this particular large man. Um, well, he seemed large from where I was standing. And he's in this like 
bright white robe. And I'm like, who is that? Like, why is everybody in this long line to go hear this person speak? Because it was also loudspeakers and even like TVs or whatever um, that was kind of like in the trees that people could hear. And so I was like, who is this person that everybody wants to go hear speak? And so I cut the line. I'll be honest. <laughs> I did something bad. I cut the line. And I, you know, went closer to see like, well, who is this person? And the the person turned uh, a bit to me. So I saw uh, the side of his face. And he says, um, go, go back and find another way. And so I took that as I wasn't welcome. <laughs> so I walked away. I mean, pissed y'all, pissed, frustrated. How dare this person tell me to leave and go back and, and find another way? Like, and, and I just, and so I, I walked away and I walked deeper. I didn't realize how far I had walked. I walked deeper into that wilderness and it got dark. And, but yet I still, I still saw a bunch of pews lined up. But then it was pews in darkness, even though I could hear very faintly the voice of this man that I had walked away from. I could faintly hear his voice, even though um, I could no longer really see him. And really quick sidebar, when he told me to go back and find another way, he never said it in a mean way. I just got pissed off. <laughs> because Again, I got prideful in, my, in that moment and got pissed off. But he said it in a calm, almost like a somber, sad way. And and so I walked away. I found myself into a, a darker place of, of this wilderness. Um, because where he was was brightly lit. And I saw still a bunch of pews. And then I found some, I found a happy, slightly handsome face of a man waving to me saying, come, come over here, come over here, come, come on, come over here. And, and so I'm like, oh, okay, I mean, and he fine too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being honest with y'all. This really had the vision. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna go sit over here. And then I tried to get closer to this person. I realized that he was surrounded by people that didn't look like people. Like some I saw that there were some women, but they had shrubbed up faces and they looked really like mean and evil. Some of them were like jeering at me and gnashing their teeth at me and were cursing me. And I was just like who are these people and why they treat me so badly? And and he was dressed in a nice three-piece suit, unlike the first person I saw who was in a bright white robe. You know, this person's in a nice three-piece suit or whatever. And so I go sit next to him and I'm trying to get comfortable. And yet I can't get comfortable in the pew with all these people that, that are there. They look like church folk. And I'm like, why can't I get comfortable? And, and I'm just trying my best to get comfortable. And, and I, and I just can't. And, and then it just, it felt like it was like the air was becoming toxic. Like I couldn't even barely breathe or whatever. And the people were just like, just saying some mean things to me, kind of like the other vision I was talking about earlier. Was just saying some mean things to me. And I just was like, why are you saying things to me? And they were like, you need to go back where you came from. You don't belong here. And it was just like, oh my God. Like, all I want to do is just find a place to belong. That's it. But they basically pushed me out. And so I walked away from there and I went back. To, they said to me, the last thing I, um, before I walked away, go back to where you came from. You don't belong here. I said, okay, well, I guess I got to go back to where I came from because I, I don't belong here. I'm trying to fit in. With everybody that's dressed nice over here and not in some raggedy robes. <laughs> and so, okay, well, I guess I'll, you know, go back to where I came from. 
And so I walked back. And this time the line of people and, and the men I saw in the white robe are gone. But there's a bright white church temple building that I see with gold gates. And the gold gates are open. And I mean, I've never seen gold that bright before. And so I said, well, let me try and see if I can get closer. And nothing stopped me from going in. So I walked in. And um, when I got inside, I saw the same man who was in a robe. He's, he's sitting in a king's throne surrounded by disciples, which was so interesting. I even wrote that down from the vision when I woke up because I didn't know who I was speaking to at the time. And so I said, who is this man on this throne with all these disciples around him? Taught, um, and so I, I, I walked in and I saw him and the, the disciples, but I got afraid. And so I tried to, I saw three gold doors to my left. And so I try to go into those doors and I'm, you know, trying to open a door and nothing is opening. And so uh, I see like a, it was like a cupboard. It was, it was weird. Like, what is the cupboard doing in here? But I, you know, there was a cupboard right before I saw a bunch of people walking up, praying and speaking in tongues. And, and, uh, and so I said, well, I, I'll just join them. I'll just blend in. So I joined them. And they were in, you know, robes as well, just basic uh, clothing. And so I joined them and I prayed. And then that's when the, the pastor who I knew came up to me. And she said, follow me. And I said, oh, Lord, OK, am I going to get kicked out? Like, what's about to happen now? And she brought me. She took me past the door, the gates that I came into and took me to the front of the throne of this particular king on his throne. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to deal with this person again. And so I had to say all of that to give you at least this part because it's still way more to the vision I'm not going to get into. But he had said to me, um, after she asked me, where did you go and what did you learn? And I'm like, how she don't know where I went? Like, did you not know that this pastor, this king sitting on his throne, like kicked me out? And so I had an encounter with Jesus, uh, who I who I now you know know was Jesus. And I said to him, like, I'm a Christian. I, I kind of lashed out, like, after he addressed me. Again, I'm not going to get to all of that. And I lashed out. And I said, well, I'm a Christian woman. and But why is it that we're only taught to read the Bible when you, the pastor, tell us to read it? And we're not, at, you know, um, we're not allowed to ask questions. You know, do you not tell a boy how his body works when he asks how it works? So why are we not allowed to ask questions? And why are we only meant to? Uh, understand or read the Bible only when you're teaching it. And uh, what what I, I said all that to say, because I know people are like, okay, well, what is the point, the moral of this particular vision? What God showed me was, number one, how powerful my voice actually was, which is how I'm here today, because I didn't know I had this powerful voice in me. Because literally after I exploded, you know, in frustration to him, he said, so why are you timid? <laughs> which is like that that ain't um th you didn't answer none of the questions i just said uh jesus you you didn't address nothing i just said but he stayed calm the entire time and he spoke to me in love even though i was frustrated and angry lashing out at jesus y'all in any in, in a burst of emotion yet he did he could have smite me right then and there and said do this chick know who she's talking to like people do us he didn't treat me that way he treated me in love and said, so why are you timid? Why do you speak about the gospel? But then you're afraid to teach it. At the time, I was very afraid to teach it. He said, you're not meant to be that way. 
I tell you the truth. And then he went down a whole, you know, speech that I'm not going to get into. But I just was like, wow. And it broke the inner part of me that was frustrated into tears. Not only a remorse of, of sadness of like, wow, I just burst out at this person. But then also because of how he dealt with me in love, it convicted my heart to repent. He addressed me in truth. But it convicted my heart in that moment, even though I was first angry, to repent. And so I started to cry and weep as I continued to have a conversation with him. And so I had to tell you guys this vision, because if Jesus deals with us in love, even when we are in a sinful moment, he deals with us in love. Why aren't we as the church doing the same? The very beginning of the vision I told you about where I cut the line. Jesus didn't lash out at me in anger and say, how dare you cut the line? Get get in line. You you get you out of control. You, you that is not the rules. You need to go in this line. And it, he didn't do me in that way. But how many of us have dealt with that in church? I know I have, <laughs> which is why I'm here telling you. I have dealt with that in church. I have dealt with people in the church world, in the community, the body, going into different church organizations. And I have encountered, doesn't matter the denomination, I have encountered people that had so many rules that made me feel like, you know what, I'm going to just turn around and leave. Like the man in the, with the bar. I, I, how about just wake into the world? Forget this. Like, oh my God, you, you making it so hard to just be in the hospital, to be in the presence of the doctor, the savior who I need to be in the presence of. Because you're making me feel so bad and so dirty and so filthy and then you're on top of what I'm already feeling because of whatever sin I did before I got here then you also are weighing me down with all your rules you can't sit there you can't walk down the middle aisle you can't do this you can't you can't bring that in here you can't drink water in here you can't you can't. it's like man you tell me a lot of what I can't do what can I do I mean is it all that you care about is my money Oh, I can give you my money. If I say I got a tithe, if I say well, how much I got, oh, I'll get the royal treatment. I'll get the VIP seat. So you'll happily take my money, but you won't take my broken heart. You won't allow the brokenness in me, the sinful parts of me to come in here and repent to my Savior and lament to him for his forgiveness. We got to operate in love, y'all. How do we expect people to really come to Jesus? weary with their heavy burdens and teach them that Matthew 11 28 Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 that he will give them rest if we are not willing to do the next verse of 29 and teach them his ways letting them letting really God teach them his ways by the way we teach them and the way we love them and the way we serve them if you are so high and mighty, so prideful, where you have forgotten how God saved and rescued you, where you were from. And so you can't teach in love. Then you're useless. It, like I said earlier in this in particular um, scripture, you're like a noisy gong. Nobody can really hear what the truth is. And if you think about a gong going off, it's irritating. It's literally like nails on a chalkboard. If it just keep going and going and going and don't stop. It, you know, if you, I don't know how many people out there got iPhones, but I don't know about the Androids guys, but I know on the iPhone, there's a particular alarm on the phone, um, like a timer. And I think it's actually called an alarm and it just goes off like, doo -doo -doo. 
and it gets louder and louder and it will not stop <laughs> until you push stop and i know sometimes because i'll um schedule myself in the morning i told you guys before i will i go to the gym at five o'clock in the morning so i'll schedule it and it's like oh that's the that's not the first thing i want to hear when i wake up in the morning it's that loud during um buzzer just going off that alarm just going off it's irritating but this is how we are this is how we sound to the people when we don't operate in love when you are willing to judge, even in the vision that I just shared with you, when when the whole, when God first called me, when Jesus first called me to teach the Gospels, because um, that's part of the, the extra stuff that I didn't tell you guys about, um, teach the Gospels through my story. He said, um, I mean, before that, when I encountered the pastor that I knew that made it into heaven, when she dealt with me, she didn't accuse me of anything. She didn't curse me. She said, follow me. Now tell me, where'd you go and what'd you learn? It was inquisitory and it was out of love because what she was saying without saying it was you were never meant to leave. So what did you learn when you left? There are a lot of lost sheep in the world. I taught in that parable before of um, revival of the lost and the found. Go listen to that message if you missed it. There are a lot of lost sheep in the world. That means there are a lot of lost people in the world that God wants us to reach. But he cannot reach them if we are not operating in a place of love. He cannot reach them if we're coming to them with our own human construct of rules and traditions and religious systems that keep people stuck in bondage, that keep people and buried off and buried in the ground of their sin. They can't get free. Which is why you see more and more people that want to be in the world instead of in the church. Because the world welcomes them like the man at the bar. The world welcomes their sin. Satan says, good, great. Come over here. Come sit with me. Yes. And even though they may be uncomfortable there, they make themselves comfortable because they realize I can't go back the way I wanted to go to the church because they wouldn't welcome me. Thankfully, I made a decision in the vision to say, I don't deserve to be here and I'm not going to see and keep trying to force this to work if you guys aren't making it work. Remember I said the people around me were like, you don't belong here, get away. And they were just, you know, gnashing of teeth and jeering at me and just being really mean to me, even pulling my hair. It was like, okay, this is, I'm uncomfortable here. This man that I thought was handsome and ain't even helping out y'all. He, he not willing to help me out at all. He just, just sitting here. Enjoying the women that are, are, you know, trying to be in his face and get his attention. And so I said, you know, I'm trying to sit in this pew. I'm trying to sit in this, this system that doesn't want me here. And they telling me to go back to where I came from. That's where I belong. I don't belong here. But they were also speaking truth to me in that moment. God, God allowed them to speak truth to my heart that say, you don't belong here. And they were right. You don't belong here in this hellhole of sin. You belong up there at the temple of God. Because you're his child. You are not the child of Satan who you're sitting next to. I didn't know that at the time that I was sitting next to Satan. You don't belong here. You belong with God because he is your father. He created you in his image. One of our anchor texts of this season, 1 Corinthians, I mean, excuse me, 1 Genesis 1, <laughs> chapter 26. I mean, verse 26. We are created in the image of God. 
to be something in the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion in the earth. But if you don't know your identity in him, then anybody will tell you your identity. But just like in the vision, God is saying to you today, wherever you are, that you feel like I don't belong with you, Jesus. I don't belong in the church. God says, yes, you do. You are a part of my body. I don't care how far you get. You can never say to me, you do not belong. You can never say to me that because you're not like them, then you have no purpose in God's kingdom. It doesn't matter who threw you away in the church. God says they weren't really representing me. I don't care how much they said it with their mouth. There was no measure of faith in their heart. Therefore, they were a noisy gong. They didn't represent me. It was meaningless. It was worthless. There was no love in their heart. And this is why we need discernment in this season. We got to ask the Holy Spirit for discernment to know who we are meant to be led by, who are who we are meant to um, hear a word from, what communities of believers we're meant to be a part of that is the body of Christ, because not every church organization or not every small group is where we're meant to be. I learned that as well. When I was, you know, when God sent me out or rather allowed me to go out and try to be a part of different small groups and different churches and whatnot. And it was just like, you know, it, it was like Goldilocks and three bears. <laughs> like no matter what beard I got in, just it wouldn't fit. It wouldn't fit. It wouldn't fit. And God said, but there is a right place where it will fit. And I will give you rest like Goldilocks and the three bears. There's a bed that he has for you that will give you perfect rest. But that bed is in him. And not in the things of this world. And so we got to go to him and be a part of his body. And the true identity that is his church. That's why it's so important. I will always say this. You got to read your word for yourself. And when you read the word for yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand. Giving you wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of what you are reading. So that it becomes real to you. You can't just go off with pastor and I'm set on Sunday morning or whenever you heard a, a word from the pastor. And that's the only time you pick up your Bible and read the Bible. Even with me, you can't just go off of the scriptures I read on here and that's it. In order to be a hearer and a doer of the word, you got to read the word for yourself and apply it to your life. And so let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 before I go. Starting at the 12th verse. It says, um, you know, what? I'm sorry. I'm going to go. I'm going to go a little higher. First Corinthians chapter 12, starting at the first verse. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities in the spirit, the, the special ability the spirit gives us. I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to. To know that no one speaking by the spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. 
Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues, while another person is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Did y'all hear me with that? I'm going to read this portion again. Starting at the seventh verse. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. We have to help each other through love. If you don't have love, you cannot really help and serve somebody else because it's going to be self-serving. It's not going to be really serving somebody else. It's going to be so that you can get an applause from people and a pat on your back. But if you want to really serve others, you got to love them well. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another spirit is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is the body of Jesus Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles or Christians. Some are slaves and some are free, but we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. I'm going to stop right here. If you have your Bible, you can continue reading the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But this is tying into the totality of this message we are meant to act in love and the only way we're going to see a true revival a true kingdom revival and to be ambassadors of the king we have to revive the spirit of love that comes from the father's own heart we do not judge because we don't want to be judged we cannot point out what's wrong in somebody else's life until we fix the problems in our own life. We cannot help others heal until we address the mess in our lives. But that doesn't mean that in the process of your healing journey, God will not allow you to help somebody else because we are meant to share and carry each other's burdens. But he also gives us wisdom to say, if our own burden is too heavy at that time, you can't take on somebody else's burden. Deal with your burden first. Deal with the speck in your eye first. Then you can help them pull out the log in theirs or vice versa. Do the log in your eye first because it's too heavy for you to bear. Then you can help address the speck in theirs. But you cannot do it in your own strength. We got to tap into the Father's Holy Spirit grace and mercy because that's the, where the power really comes from. We need a revival of love, y'all. And we can't keep saying that we are believers, we are representatives of Christ Jesus, we are disciples, we are Christians, we are Messianic Jews, we are Jews. We, we cannot say we are these things and think that's enough, but we don't love other people. We don't serve them out of love. 
God says no more, not in a season. Wake up, y'all. It's time for love. And so I know today ran a bit long, but I am not going to even apologize for that because I was being obedient to my father to teach this message on love and to cover the scriptures that I covered. Um, and so may the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord God be gracious to you. Show you his favor and give you give you his shalom, give you his peace. Take care, guys. God bless. Love you much.